everyone. Welcome to another episode of Stream Overload, a limited podcast series about the world of video streaming and the way it is developing in society. Before we begin today's show, it's time for my co-host to say hello. My name is Ananya Bhatt, and I'm joined here by my good friend Ayo. Hey, Ayo Mekanadikaro here. And lest we forget our big critic of life, George. Hi. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. That's, that's more or less it. If you've been watching this or not, I'm not a, fa- I'm not a fan of these films. I'd like, to, I'd like to nitpick them. And as far as I'm concerned, that's my sole purpose on this podcast. So, uh, so the others are going to have a field day today. Um, but uh, we, we move on. I think we've done our introductions. So we've already discussed how streaming has increased during the pandemic. And uh, we've also talked about the increase of choices in video streaming services with, you know, Disney Plus and Apple TV, uh, who recently got into the game as well. Today, however, we will be discussing different streaming services and what they have to offer. Plus, we have another one of IO's streaming diary survey guest interviews and the challenge section of the podcast, which is our favourite. <laughs> Although some of us have been nicer to each other this week. Emphasis on some of us. Boo-hoo! You can cry about your challenge later. We have a podcast to get back to. George? Well, obviously, each streaming service is going to look at uh, ways to win over consumers, and whether that's through the exclusives, like we've discussed last week, also in terms of variety of content, to try and get every kind of target audience. Today, we'll talk specifically about the variety between the different streaming companies, such as Netflix versus Disney+. Plus. In addition, we'll also discuss how streaming services are using diversity to bring in new audiences. So, Io, Ananya, how would you rate the different streaming services that we've all been using? So, in terms of variety, I think Netflix has it in the bag. Um, I, I agree with you when it comes to variety. Netflix has a lot of it. And um, especially Amazon Prime, I think, is mostly good if you know exactly what you want to watch. And Netflix has a lot of variety, especially I've lived constantly in different countries, you know, and so from what I've seen, every country has different uh, things that are available on the Netflix, on their Netflix. And from what I've seen, it's always diverse, like even back in India, I had so many options to choose from. And it's so and I mean diverse by not just like racially, but also there is so much um, pride stuff or LGBTQ related stuff that I feel like it, that I feel needs representation. And Netflix really delivers. Yeah, I think Netflix is kind of the king in terms of variety at the moment, whereas the other streaming services are still trying to build up their catalog, especially with Disney Plus, which until recently when they added star kind of only had kids sort of shows and films and it was kind of the same sort of disney channel um type of stuff as george has talked about in the first podcast when he had to watch a whole load of their movies whereas with netflix they have 
of course, their Netflix originals, which are kind of have the same sort of feels, but they also have films that have been made by other people. They have TV shows that have been made by other people, popular TV shows, new TV shows, and even foreign shows and stuff like that. There is so much variety in Netflix, and I think that is what's really helping Netflix cling on at the moment. I really like what Netflix does with shows that are set in the past, like in oldy tiny sort of settings, but um, they have diversity. For instance, Bridgerton, a, a, you know, a show that many of us actually enjoyed watching. Like at least Io and I did, George probably won't like it, but, <laughs> but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I really liked how it, it's not, let's be honest, it's not realistic. <laughs> but the the queen in this is actually a black person and i really enjoyed watching the show and they also mentioned it you know that because she's there there is so much diversity and it's not like all the rich people are white there's such a mixture it's it's so nice i i really enjoyed watching it and there was it's set in an olden time i don't know when but at the same time there are so many themes that we can relate to right now and uh, netflix does this with a lot of shows and i really like that what i really loved about bridgerton is that the main character the duke who's meant to be is the sort of like rakish sex figure i love that he is reggae john page is a person of color normally when it comes to the hot attractive people in hollywood or in tv shows and films it's normally a white person and it's very it's not normal it's very rarely that it's a person of color and i love that netflix kind of took a risk and made a person of color as the main um character this whole symbol and it worked and um especially because um even in the books itself bridgeton is based off a book series i think the uh, main character the duke is white or at least they don't give any things to say that he is a person of color i think he's more meant to be a white person but then they decide to change it for the tv show which is really good and it's not just bridgerton there was another romance series that i watched in um december dash and lily where one of the main characters is asian american which i really liked because it wasn't um, again, it wasn't in the book series which it was based on, and I felt that they were taking risk in making it a person of colour, and that paid off, and it just brought a whole other element to the story because we have that diversity inside the story. I think Disney Plus is definitely more centred towards animation and superhero stuff, and they had a very, very narrow field of of what they had to offer kind of thing they didn't have an awful lot of choice it was very much animation superhero you know star wars is something all of their properties and things so obviously restricting yourself to only properties that you own but whilst i'm completely aware of the fact that disney has a huge catalog and you know they own multiple different genres of you know um what they called franchises but i mean when you restrict yourself to just the things you own you really do limit what you have to offer people which is why i think star was such a good introduction it allowed the the variety the diversity of things to come through because obviously disney all of their stuff in the past has been is awfully outdated for the modern era there's a lot of 
racist things in there that obviously shouldn't be in there, but obviously at the time it was considered acceptable. So obviously a lot of their stuff caters more to white audiences. Whereas introducing Star and obviously all of their newer products and things help bring in this diversity and bring in the variety. I think Netflix is by far the most diverse of all of the streaming services that I use regularly. They've got a lot more variety. They have a whole host of different things. They're not set to one specific genre. And I think Amazon Prime is just filled with rubbish. Unless you know what you want to watch on Amazon Prime and you know specifically on there, that's the only time you go and use it. Or unless you're like me, who really, I think, watches films in a very backwards manner, deliberately goes and tries to find rubbish, Amazon Prime is the place you go to. And also in terms of diversity, I think a lot more with the TV shows which are just for streaming, so which were made for Netflix and made for Disney Plus as well, have been taking risks with diversity more than when they're bringing on shows which are just on normal television. So if we look at, for Disney Plus, for example, WandaVision, in the MCU in general, there haven't been much content where it's focused on female characters. And then we have WandaVision, which is the first Disney Plus Marvel series, first MCU actually like because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is now not canon and the rest of them they kind of just was like yeah bye the first MCU series was centered about this character this female character which was really good and then there was also Falcon and the Winter Soldier right now which one of the main characters is Falcon who's black and it's kind of centered around racism and race and stuff like and that sort of thing which i think is really good and even with um netflix as well with bridgerton as we mentioned and sex education which has done a lot of representation both lgbtq and uh, race and that i think it's really in these streaming services people have been able to take more I would say risk because it's not a risk to balance to diversity, but have been front um, putting forward um, diversity a lot more in the series, and that has paid off. I feel like we've gassed Netflix up a lot right now, and but there is something that I would like to say. There's some sometimes I feel like there's misrepresentation of culture on Netflix. Even I appreciate them like making the effort of you know the diversity and everything but this one show in particular that i remember is i i believe it's called never have i ever it's about this indian girl who's growing up in um usa and you know her family and things like that and as much as it's nice to see like you know indians overseas represented i I don't think that's like at least from what I know from growing up in India it's not exactly how an Indian family is they make it look so somehow bad you know like as if someone the Indian families are it's almost not even exaggerated it's just not in the right direction in my opinion like they make the mum look so bad you know just so uptight and everything this diversity thing I feel like di- the diversity should be a normality. Like it, sh- sh- we shouldn't have to like look for it. I think it should just be there. Because this one, you're still like, oh, we're watching the Indian thing, you know? 
my parents have been living in India all their life. And I received an international education and they didn't even receive an international education. And they don't speak like this. So someone who's literally been living in USA for half their life will not speak the way the, like they speak on this show. And it's, it's almost too much. Like, why can't you just let people speak the way they normally speak? Would it be wrong of them to not have to ha be brown and not have an accent, like uh, not have an Indian accent? I think I think you've raised an interesting point earlier about um, about how you how you appreciate that Netflix is putting in the effort to make these things diverse. But I think that's where the problem lies. You shouldn't have to put in effort. It should come naturally, as you said towards the end there. It it shouldn't be about putting effort into things to make things more deliberately diverse. It should literally just be things are diverse because that's the way they occur naturally. You shouldn't have to put extra effort into it. And I think that's where a lot of this, a lot of this lies, is the fact that people are trying so hard to make these shows diverse. They're inadvertently making them stereotypical and a little bit racist in some cases, you know, with the over-exaggerated accents and that kind of thing and it, it just makes it look like they they have no idea as to the culture that they're trying to imitate here and as such if you if you don't have any idea as to the culture maybe let them be themselves if you're going to get an actor in who is from you know in your in you know in the example you were speaking of in from india you know let them speak the way they normally speak and just give them you know the script to, to read off don't try and enforce a character on them that they're already playing it's not you know it's i think i think that's where a lot of this a lot of these problems come from a lot of these problems stem from is the fact that people try to be diverse when they shouldn't be trying they should just be being diverse yeah just following on what you just said i think where this kind of issue stems from of course is the fact that behind the scenes a lot of hollywood and the people making these TV shows are not people of colour, aren't from these backgrounds. So when it comes to these stories, they're obviously like, oh, we've kind of used up all the stories about our culture. Let's try and develop more on other people's culture because that's what people are into right now. But then they always get it wrong because they haven't really experienced the culture. They've just like, they've just researched it or they've heard about it or they have a friend um yeah that the common thing of oh i have black friends oh i have asian friends and kind of get off that instead of having an actual real life experience of it in order to show it on television and i think um not even just never have i ever there's also other examples there's this film which is probably one of my favorite films called the half of it where one of the uh, main characters is asian american i think she's chinese not sure i don't want to get that wrong um yeah she is chinese um yes she is chinese and part of the story it follows her and her dad who is Chinese and doesn't really speak a lot of English so most of their conversations are in Chinese and I was, when I first watched this I watched this with my housemate who is from China and obviously when it came to that she was like oh this feels weird this is not how people would say that in Chinese and there's obviously um, they're trying to do it but they're not 
representing it as best as they can be. I think it's time for us to move on to our streaming survey diary section of this podcast. Perfect timing. If you've been listening to our podcast, you know that each week we have two sets of guests. One set is from a streaming survey I carried out along this podcast where I was investigating how people across the UK watch TV series and films and how often they use apps like Netflix, Disney+, Plus, Prime and so on. I wanted to get more in-depth stories about the results of data, so I'm interviewing some of the candidates. In today's hot seat is Mary Abraham from Essex. Roll the clip. about to be joined by Mary Ibrahim, who's one of my streaming survey guests for this week. So, Mary, going straight into the questions. So, in originally, when you did the first survey, when you signed up, you said that you watched TV shows up to three to five hours a week. And mm-hmm. then when it came to the, doing the survey, you went much more than the average for each of the weeks so why do you think that you watched more it was actually just coincidental I was wary that lockdown was coming to an end and I thought throughout the last year I've not watched as much uh, tv as I could have so I was like let me see if I can like start a new series and I did and it just meant that I, I started quite a few series and it meant that I was watching a lot more TV than I ordinarily ever would. My next question is that when we came to the end of the survey, you realised that you used Amazon Prime a lot more than some of your other streaming service apps. So why do you think that is? Why I think that was is just because I had created a list on those two streaming services. So when it came to me trying to think of what I was going to watch next, I went onto those lists to have a look um, and see what the next program should be um and yeah I I don't know I just don't really use the rest of my streaming streaming apps to be honest this week in my podcast we're talking specifically about like variety of different um, streaming service so in terms of like variety of content how would you rate the different streaming services that you have available to you oh good question I actually think in terms of if we're talking about um, variety available, I probably think that Amazon Prime is the best because I think it has a good variety of like you can watch uh, sports on there, you can watch documentaries, films, obviously of any genre, and it's got quite a, a vast amount of um, shows available on there. Um, and and TV and then of of course you can actually buy things if you if they're not already on the service and Netflix next obviously and then I would probably put Disney Plus um um no I'd put Now TV after um Netflix and then I'd probably put Disney Plus and BBC in, in the next two and BBC obviously really only has BBC documentaries or uh, programs specifically for the channel. Thank you for answering my questions and we're heading back to the studio. So, Mary's interview, that was Mary, particularly talking about how she did her variety list. What did you guys think? I think as we've been talking about, I think variety is obviously very important. I think the fact that it's not just us, it's nice to have an outside perspective as well. 
that people are going for a variety of other things, especially with streaming services. But anyway, I think it's also something interesting that we haven't really touched upon this in the episodes that we've recorded. We've kind of steered clear of this, but I always forget that iPlayer is actually a streaming service. I never use it, but I always forget that it's, a, it's actually a streaming service. I mean, obviously, there are very few things that are ever you know, I ever go out of my way to watch and go, how do I watch this? Oh, it's on iPlayer. I will go and watch it on iPlayer because as far as I'm aware, iPlayer isn't one of these places. Obviously, this will show how much I know of it. I don't think they keep stuff forever. I think it, iPlayer always used to be anyway, like uh, used to contain two weeks worth of the previous content kind of thing, two weeks after they had aired on TV. It would appear on iPlayer in many cases with shows and that kind of thing. But I think I think they do now have some things which are just permanently on iPlayer, some BBC shows and things like that. And some films have probably been shown on, on TV that they're allowed to use. But I mean, I never use iPlayer. So it's um it's interesting that it's obviously there are some there are people out there who who do use it far more consistently, but it's not something I've ever touched on. I'm, I'm perfectly content with the three that I currently use at the moment. I don't think I, I ever thought of adding a fourth one. Yeah, because there's iPlayer, ITV Hub, and all four, which is the three main big British channels, and each of them have their own digital streaming space. But obviously, that wasn't really generating much income for BBC, ITV, all four, Auto stuff. So therefore, I think a year or two ago, about the same time that Disney Plus and um, Apple TV were dipping their toes into the streaming, or Disney and Apple were dipping their toes in streaming service, the main British channels teamed up and formed their own streaming service called BritBox, where you could stream anything that's been made on a British channel on it. I don't know how successful it's been because I do not know a single person who owns a BritBox account and I've contemplated many times getting one and I'm just like, nah, <laughs> which is a bit peak. So I'm, it would be very interesting to like find someone who uses BritBox and knows what is up with that because um, I don't know anyone about BritBox with BritBox. I think the only show that I can I can think of it's British made that I would go out my way to go and find all the episodes for that might be on Britbox is Taskmaster because I love that show that show's great other than that I've no clue what I'd go for it seems like a completely useless service I mean what do we make over here that's decent Doctor Who that's it it probably has all the soaps on there, though. So if you're, like, a massive soap fan, you can go and watch the first ever episode of Coronation Street. <laughs> Are you two ready for the guest challenge? We had to cut last week's challenge due to timing. But George, George Austin, right here, my fellow co-host, was able to win that one. So now the score is tied one-to-one. But this challenge is going to be a bit more difficult. It's a little bit reversed even. Instead of getting the guests to prepare something for my co-host, I'm getting my co-host to prepare something for our guests. This challenge is called Netflix Original Pitch. The challenge is simple. 
Netflix is pretty keen on making reboots and adaptations of stories, children's TV shows, books, you name it. Your job is for each of you to pitch in 60 seconds a Netflix original series, which is an adaptation or reboot, which you think would do well. Well, do well on Netflix, as um, George is going to explain it. All. And our guests will hear the two and vote on the winner. So, who wants to go first? I mean, I'll, I'll quite happily go first. I mean, I've got an idea, and uh, and as we were talking about before we started recording this podcast, I I did ask deliberately just to make sure: is it something that Netflix is actually going to do well, or is it? Because as far as I'm concerned, there's not a whole lot that Netflix has done well in terms of originals. So I, I my pitch is is mainly something that I think would be hilarious. And given how the last live action reboot of this thing that I'm going to bring up went, I think Netflix would do a brilliant job of making that one seem incredible. But I will go through this as quickly as possible. And if it turns out to be terribly in editing because I'm talking so fast, that's your problem for giving me 60 seconds. <laughs> Sorry, it's an elevator pitch. Are you ready? Three, I am ready. Two, one. Hear me out. Netflix original. Thunderbirds live action reboot. Okay, right. Everybody's favorite TV show, Thunderbirds, about people going out rescuing people from a lovely tropical island. How would Netflix do that in a Netflix original? If any of you remember the last Thunderbirds live action film, that was shockingly bad. One, they let the father live at the beginning, which is mistake number one of Thunderbirds. And two, the villain was perhaps the worst villain, I think, in filmic history. Literally a bald guy in a submarine who blew up a satellite and he was like, haha, I've taken over the world. No, you haven't. You've gained access to three spaceships, which you have no idea how to control. Anyway, I think Netflix would do a brilliant reboot of this because they have no budget for any of these things. The CGI would be absolutely terrible and they would get Z-list actors in order to portray these people. And I think that would be absolutely hilarious. So uh, tell me if you think that will be incredible. Am I done? Noah Centineo. There we go. You actually made it, like literally, as it went to one zero, you finished. And I was like, nah, you got it on point. There you go. Yeah, no one said will definitely be one of the, was it five? He'll yeah. definitely make one of the five people. Okay, Ananya, we're coming to you. Okay. One minute. Are you ready? <clears throat> Three, right. two, one. All right. Sweet Life of Zack and Cody reboot. So what we're doing with this, it's going to be high budget, mainly because It'll be the same casting as the OG show, including but not limited to Cole and Dylan Sprouse, Ashley Tinsdale, Brenda Song, you know, etc. Only difference would be that they are grown up now, obviously, as you know, the actors aged, and half of it would be in an oldie timey setting. So there would be as if they were in either an alternate universe or a previous life. So it would be a flashback, flash forward, and that would be the main idea of the show. Okay, you have 15 more seconds and I'm still confused about what this show is. <laughs> it would be basically Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, but everyone's older. I mean, obviously, you know, as the the cast has grown up now. And so... That was time yeah. up, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, but this was anyway an extension like quite thing and so the setting 
would mm -hmm. keep changing between now, like today's time, 2000 and whatever, and um, also going back in time as if the same characters, but in a different time zone. You know how like in WandaVision, it seems like they're in different time zones. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, they're still, they are the same age in both. But in oh, one, okay. it's more retro and one is, I don't know what time exactly. Sorry, I didn't think of like. <laughs> just just some random past Let me time. Just say 1960s. <laughs> also, side note. You're taking a Disney property to Netflix? Yes. <laughs> Why, Why didn't we start anything, on that? Everything I say, you have something against it. Now I'm getting really angry, are you? <laughs> no, I'm just... I think next we should have Star Wars, a Netflix original story. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't imagine that, um, Disney letting their hands off any of their properties anytime soon. <laughs> okay, guys, I think it's time to find out who won the pitching an original series challenge with our guests. Whilst I really appreciate George's passion for how rubbish the Thunderbirds reboot would be, I think actually that is more reason why I wouldn't want to watch it. Um, and I also think I would love to see. Uh, Colin Dylan Sprouse in a reboot of and Brenda Song and Ashley Tisdale in a reboot of Sweet Life of Sweet Life of Zach and Cody and I think it's quite a good idea for them to be in an alternate universe and see what that might look like. So that's I'll I'll go with Ananya. Fair enough. Fair enough. She I, even pronounced my name right. I know one of one of these things <laughs> I might actually have to go and look at Zach and Cody then. I think before we talk about the big challenge. A nice way to segue into that is to talk about how streaming services have popularised non-UK US TV series and films. Um, so much of what we consume in the UK was either made here or in the US, which kind of leaves us in this weird bubble of information. Uh, TV is probably the most accessible way for audiences to get information and being stuck in this bubble, we're missing out on so, mu on so much from other cultures and not that TV always portrays cultures correctly, though, as we've discussed. But however, lately, there has been more and more popular shows outside the UK and US bubble. And that's what these challenges are about. But um, tell me, what do you guys think about that? In terms of Netflix originals, I think Netflix does better foreign Netflix originals than they do US or UK Netflix originals. I think it's because it's a different culture and you kind of embrace that and it has a different feel to watching the same old US garbage sometimes. Things like Lupin, which is French. I really loved that show and I love that the main character is also black. It really moved me that TV show that I didn't expect happening. Just the storyline of how it went and how this um these this family um, from Senegal had been like royally screwed over. It just moved me so much. I'm in agreement. I think it's because the culture is different and we like to see this change, you know. It's fun to watch something that you don't know much about. Some of the things that I see on Netflix are not mainstream things. 
like for example the bollywood section there are these movies that were so old or like early 2000s that i didn't even know existed with famous people for bollywood i didn't know they existed and netflix had these movies i wouldn't have watched it unless i would have found it on here which i think is really cool personally to see movies that you didn't know existed and you actually wanted to watch both of you spoke about how it's nice to see things from a different culture and and that kind of thing and and how representation is different and, and that sort of thing but i think i can't help but feel like if you stop and think about you know if you look at money heist if you were spanish and you watched a lot of spanish dramas and that kind of thing things made with spain you know spanish language is the primary language for its consumers I wonder, I can't help but wonder if they get the same thing that we get with our English speaking things, but like, oh, we're being portrayed as these stereotypes again in our own things in the same way that we always see the same stereotypes in Hollywood and in US and UK made shows, you know, we always get the standard team form format kind of thing and the same basic stereotypes for, for different people and the way people speak. And as we mentioned earlier, um, with different races and things like that. If their accents are over here, if you know they're so exaggerated and not true to life at all, it kind of you know makes me think that you know if you're Spanish in that case and you're and you're watching Money Heist and something like that appears, you know is that considered the stereotype over there and we just don't know because obviously we don't watch enough foreign films like foreign shows and that kind of thing. It gets me thinking that this diversity thing that we're all so, you know, hooked on, you know, we want to see more diversity in, in our media products, you know, are we blind to the fact that maybe that's a thing that happens in, you know, foreign speaking countries as well, or do we just think that naturally that they're just more diverse because they speak a different language? You know, it's a, it's an interesting question and not one that I think many people think about, because obviously when you watch a foreign film, you kind of just you watch the subtitles and that's it you don't you can't pick up on the accent because you don't know the accent over there kind of thing but do these diversity things do these stereotypes still exist in foreign countries and you know us as westerners who don't speak the language we're just not aware to it is that a thing or is that is that just me thinking too much into media that is actually a really good point because i remember in the first season of money highs i don't know in specific but they make a really big point about how each of the different heists thieves whatever the robbers the main characters each of them are from a different part of spain so there's meant to be this kind of like collection of cultures but i don't as like you said i don't know about the accents i don't really know about the different sort of subcultures within spain so i don't know whether it's actually uh, representation of those different cultures or they've just got the same sort of actors to play these stereotypes of the different cultures and stuff and mm. yeah that's actually a really good point I've never thought about that I think that that's actually a very interesting point and I think if the show is made I, I don't know I'm giving like an example if it was made say by like US people, you know, 
and they were like focusing from their point of view on like an international show this would be more likely to happen you know this accent thing and i don't know just what we mentioned earlier you know but if i think if someone like from india made it like uh, for instance if we're talking about or let's let's put it in another country any any country say we've mentioned spain right so i have some friends some some spanish friends who really enjoy that show and i think it's also because it's made by people who understand it and they're not looking at it from an international point of view they're looking at it as their thing you know if they if someone from say this say usa looked at someone from spain they're gonna go like oh can you like add a lisp or they'd probably say stuff like that you know talk in a certain way and it would be more looking at them as as spanish people rather than like the heisters which is the theme of the show so i think that actually makes a lot of difference like who's making the show who's actually directing it i think that makes a lot of difference well, lucky for us, I was able to get a guest who could answer our questions on how effectively Netflix represents other cultures. Well, really, it was all in Anya. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I got in touch with a friend of mine who is half Spanish, half German. Her name is Laura, and she was more than happy to have her input in this conversation. seen that when I'm in Germany I have more German films and TV shows and for example when I go to the Canary Islands in Spain I cannot watch these German movies unless I use a VPN and there are more Spanish TV shows or movies and well in Germany there are some that are missing from Spanish there are a couple but the sad thing I find about this is when I watch a German or Spanish movie or TV show, I tend to watch it in the original language because um, sometimes they use like wordplay or like some jokes that only make sense in that language. And just me being me, I sometimes say, oh, what would this sound like in English or in Spanish? So I switched the audio and it they changed the whole thing completely and it doesn't really make sense or it's not that funny anymore. That's the one thing I find sad about it. The kind of expressions they use make more sense for for example when I'm with my friends and the, the ones that don't speak Spanish and I try telling them something that makes a lot of sense in Spanish when I translate it into English it does not make sense at all that's why I like to watch the tv shows or movies in the original language because there's for example in a tv show um, Money Heist or La Casa de Papel they there were these jokes in these scenes um, I understood them and I laughed because I watched it in Spanish, but I know someone who watched it in English and they didn't find it funny because they changed the whole thing about it. Or sometimes it can be in movies where the original language might be English and they, I don't know, some someone talks in Spanish. If that movie is then translated into Spanish, it's completely, it's completely different. It doesn't make sense. That must be so fun, like being uh, trilingual and be able to like hear it in different audios. Yeah. <laughs> My final question, or my main question, is how good are these films and TV series, specifically ones created by Netflix itself, so Netflix originals, are reflecting both German culture and Spanish culture when you're able to watch them? I'm, I must say they're pretty good. Most of them 
like they tend to, for example, if, if the TV show or movie is about um, nowadays, let's say like, I, I don't know, 2018, 2019, um, they will try and use um, slang or language that we're using currently. They also show different perspectives. Like there's some movies which show German people and then there's some others where it's like Turkish migrants, immigrants who try to adapt to this lifestyle in Germany. And it's pretty accurate, I must say. Also the same in Spanish. Um, and the way they act, it really, it really seems like um, normal Spanish people, how they would act. I see it when, when I'm there in Spain. They act the same way in the shows and they use the colloquial language and jokes and they keep the, I would say like trend, for example, I don't know, TikTok or Instagram. They, they, really, they really make an effort in, in using these things and portray them in the movies or shows. I think it's time to face the challenges or at least talk about it. Yes, good idea. <laughs> Over this podcast, we as hosts have set streaming challenges for each other to complete before the next recording. These challenges could be to watch kids shows for a week or watching a musical film a day until you go insane, as George would know. Uh, so far, our challenges have ranged in difficulty, but Coincidentally, this week, two of the three challenges are focusing on foreign films and foreign media. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah, well, at least my challenge got George to use multiple streaming services. And seeing as I am the odd one out, let me begin by explaining my challenge for George. So, <laughs> I wanted to see how a certain genre would kind of compare between streaming services and George has access to free streaming services currently which are Netflix, Disney Plus and Amazon Prime. So I told him to take the fantasy genre, pick two films from each streaming service or TV shows from each streaming service and watch them during the week and tell us what you think, how they compare, stuff like that. George. How did it go? Yeah, and I watched uh, mostly films. I don't think I actually watched a TV show now that I'm looking at it. Uh, and yeah, I actually already in my house had watched two Disney Plus films all the way through. So I watched for Disney Plus, I had Narnia 1 and 2. And to be honest, I actually really like those films. Also, I've, I watched three of them, but I can only include two on this list. I, I've never seen Narnia before. I thought it was very interesting. CGI in the first one is absolutely terrible. It's bad, as in you can, in many cases, you can almost see the green screen effect kind of thing. Like the, there is huge amounts of wind or something like that and icebergs are breaking away and they are perfectly fine just standing there. They don't look cold in the slightest. The hair is not moving. It's quite clearly obvious they're standing in a studio with some bright lights in front of them. But yeah, I think it's a good set of films. For Netflix, I opted to watch Dark Shadows, the film about a vampire who gets incarcerated for many, many years after being found out he's a vampire and then gets dug up during the, the modern day kind of thing. It's a bit of a weird film. But yeah, that film was all right. And Johnny Depp is the main character, main lead. So, uh, you know, can't complain. Good film. Then I opted to watch The Mask, which I have seen in the past. That was, this wasn't a first time viewing kind of thing. And 
If you haven't seen The Mask, it's a very strange film. Jim Carrey, who plays the main character, finds some weird tribal mask thing and puts it on and somehow gains rubber powers and the ability to act like something out of Looney Tunes. It's a, it's a very strange film. Very funny, though. And then we get to Amazon Prime. Now, Amazon Prime, I, I won't lie to any of you, it's not great. I looked in the fantasy genre for Amazon Prime, and there's not a whole lot in their selection. There is Rise of the Fellowship, which is exactly as it sounds. It is nothing more than Pound Stretcher, Lord of the Rings. Only our British audiences will get that if we have any foreign audiences at all. But this is Pound Stretcher, not even Pound Land. That's how bad this is. It is literally a rip-off. They have terrible actors in it. And I don't know, I couldn't get through the first 15 minutes. I was, that, that was terrible. Uh, there's not much more to say about that. The Midas Touch was another one I watched, which is about a 12-year-old who just turns things into gold. He does it for the right reasons. He's trying to get enough money together to, to cure his grandmother of this heart condition that she's got. But the film quickly boils down to doing nothing more than trying to teach an important moral lesson to children. So that's not very fun either. It's very dull, very boring. Treasure Train was, the, was another one that I watched. And then there's The Winter Soldier, I watched four for Amazon Prime because for Disney Plus and Netflix, I actually watched the whole film for. I actually watched all of those films. I watched Narnia 1, 2 and 3 all the way through and I watched the Netflix ones all the way through as well. But Amazon Prime, I started this film and I just couldn't get through it. So I stopped and started watching another one, couldn't get through it and the cycle repeated until I got to the fourth film and was like, you know what, I am done. This is probably the equivalent of one film, but I'm not putting myself through another one. So, uh, so yeah, so that, that's why I did four for Amazon Prime. It's, it's a tough watch. <laughs> and I think by far the strongest are definitely Netflix and Disney Plus. Disney Plus is mainly for their Disney exclusives. They've done a lot of the fantasy kind of thing, um, magic related stuff. That's kind of just what Disney was based upon. But Netflix is good as well. Netflix has got some good ones, but obviously they vary a lot more. And Amazon Prime, I, I just steer clear of if you're trying to find something decent to watch in the fantasy genre. But anyway, I should probably explain my challenge now. So uh, this week it was my challenge. I set one for uh, for Ananya this time. Uh, this is where the foreign film kind of thing came from as well. Uh, both my challenge for Ananya and Ananya's challenge for Io were both foreign film related. My challenge was to look at four different romance films from foreign countries. So, you know, not the ones with subtitles, uh, the ones with subtitles where it's a standard kind of thing, not where it's British speaking and you've just got foreign subtitles on. That's not the idea. But I wanted to know if, uh, if foreign films have a different variation of romance to Western films. So if they share all the same stereotypes that, uh, that we have over here, or if they've got different ideas of, of how one would seduce their partner kind of thing. It was um, it was just an interesting question that I thought about and I, and I wanted to know uh, what, I wanted to know more about it. So, uh, so yeah, that was Ananya's one. What, what did you find out? Okay, so I have, I, I feel like I will mention that I enjoyed myself with this challenge. I actually quite liked it, mainly because I feel like if the same story was in English, it would not have delivered the same way, to me at least. It's because they're foreign films that I enjoyed it more. 
And the, the four movies that I watched were Blind Date, Blue is the Warmest Color, Your Name Engraved Herein, and Margarita with a Straw. Yeah, I watched these and these were all... Okay, I will begin with saying that Netflix has the most diverse movies. I realized the foreign films had a lot to do with the LGBTQ community. I don't know what that is, but a lot of them seem to be like when I looked for foreign films, I kid you not, most of it was about like uh, forbidden lesbianism or forbidden like being gay or something. And most of the movies I watched were like that. Not that I was complaining, but it was an interesting pattern to see. Your name uh, engraved here in was actually Korean. Why I found this really interesting was mainly what you see in like, you know, the K-pop culture, whatever. These are like feminine projecting guys, you know, but they're straight. So this was very interesting to watch because it was set back in 1978. And they have like this, I, I really enjoyed watching it. It was very interesting. And it was kind of sad, but nice to watch on this end. <laughs> then Margarita with a straw. Okay, I think it was such a beautiful movie. And I don't know why it wasn't hyped in India, but I love how overseas it's literally listed as one of the, like in on a website I went to see like which movies to watch. It's like some of the best foreign movies you'll ever watch. It was listed on there. So I was like, so I was really intrigued by this. Why isn't it doing well in India when it's such a, like the audience is intended to be Indian people, but it's doing so well overseas. That's why I feel like these movies do better internationally than they do in their own like country or whatever, because we find it interesting to watch. Moving on, I'm going to talk about the challenge I set for Ayo. Ayo hates horror movies. And therefore I thought, what could I do that would really torture Ayo? Wait, let's make him watch horror movies. And secondly, I made it interesting because I feel like horror movies in like the foreign horror movies that I've watched, some of them have been really good. And so I was, I I told him that he must watch foreign horror movies. And like the ones that are not from, you know, that are not in English, basically. The ones where you have to see subtitles. So it could potentially make you slightly less scared because you're focusing more on reading the thing than like the movie itself. So you could be, a bit like so I made sort of softened it for him and also adding to the diversity theme of today's podcast so how thank did you. it go Ayo? firstly thank you for the challenge honestly I'm so grateful for you giving me this wonderful challenge I had such a fun time <sighs> I think before I go into talking about the films I should give a backstory of why I I horror me don't we I yeah, I hate horror. Um, I don't really get the appeal of watching something which is going to make you be scared or terrified or something like that. Um, because I I want to watch something because it's fun or interesting. I'm not going into something because I want to be scared. I want like my adrenaline up high. I I like a chill watch or something like that and also don't really like horror films because if you take away the horror it kind some of the plots of them are a bit 
weird and dumb, not really good. And I know that kind of, like, translates to, like, most sort of media. Like, if you take action from action films or comedy from comedy films, um, it won't be the same thing. But I have already said that I'm not into horror. I'm not into scaring myself. So, therefore, there isn't really much appeal to me there. But what I did learn from this challenge is I don't think I'm as scared at horror as I thought I was. I don't know. I do, I wasn't scared from any of these films, but I kind of played the system to avoid certain sort of films because I think there's a certain type of horror which I am scared of, and there's other horrors which I can kind of get away with. So, like, the whole monster spiritual type ghost sort of thing, so, like, um, Exorcist, Nun, all those, I would clear from no ill nah, I'm good. But other sorts of horrors, which is the ones I've done, sort of zombie flicks, psychological horrors, those sort of things, I think I can deal with much more, which is why I was able to play the system and enjoy this um, challenge. So let's go through the list. First off, I started off with Stree. Stree, which is a Bollywood film. It's actually pretty interesting. And it's a horror comedy as well. I yeah I kind of cheated and did horror comedy for that um so like even the scary parts they were over exaggerating it so I ended up laughing through the film second film was Alive that was the first of the zombie flicks I wanted again main characters were being dumb in the zombie apocalypse I don't even understand how they survived that long this one was Korean which was nice next one which was more horror which was Animas which means soul Soul was a Spanish film, um, this was a psychological horror, but it wasn't that scary. There was like this really big plot twist about why the horror exists, which I kind of worked out in the first five minutes of the film, like immediately, and it was meant to be the big plot twist. But then I was like, no, that clearly isn't the case, because yeah so I kind of told myself this wasn't what the story was and then halfway through the story it told me that what I thought in the first five minutes was right and I was just like well okay great and I really like how they had really good like pans like ad fear so you're with horror films it's less about what you see on the camera and more about what you can't see on the sides of the camera and they really made use of that in this film and in the next film, which is Ravenous, or Les Effens in French, is a French-Canadian film, another zombie flick, although this was a lot more freaky and scary than the first zombie flick, Hashtag Alive. And then finally, we have Target, which was not very horror. It was another horror comedy. I kind of guessed the block twist again for this. And this one was Indonesian which was nice. I haven't really seen many Indonesian films, so it was nice to see one. But overall, I think these foreign films were arguably better. Well, I obviously can't compare it to normal horror films because I don't really watch many of those. But I, I found them interesting. I think, as Ananya said, focusing on the subtitles made me less afraid because I was focusing on what's going on with the words rather than the what's horrifying about it. Well, thank you for listening to today's podcast. Tune in to the next episode for more of fun, torturous or aggravating challenges and more. Destined to views and quirky opinions. Goodbye from my co-hosts Ayo and George. 
Bye. See you next time on Stream Overload. Thank you.